getting dark, but we're going to set the clocks back on a weekend. And so, you know, that'll buy us an extra hour of daylight in the morning, kind of, sort of, and it'll get dark even sooner. November is, well, it's the cruelest month. No matter what the poet said about April, November is the drag, right? And we're into it now. But here we go. By the way, uh, it's also been a drag for me because I lost my cable and my internet for two whole days. Folks at Rogers, you know, they kept updating, saying it'll be fixed in six hours. That was like on day one, and then it wasn't. And then, you know, another notice came in. Six more hours, that's all we need. We got crews working on it. I thought at first it was maybe just my home because I got somebody building next door pretty much doing a full-on reno and probably have severed some cables or something. Guy with a backhoe wasn't looking. and But they said no when I phoned, and uh, the troubleshooter said, no, no, it's the entire neighborhood. It's down. And it's fiber optics. And he started giving me the gobbledygook that sounded impressive. All I wanted, I just wanted my TV back. Yeah, I got games to watch. Yeah, I got to do the interweb thing because I got a show to prepare. It's kind of, you know, it puts a, a real crimp in your style when you can't do your work. And I'm thinking, what if people are really, really dependent? Because I can always, you know, come in and do the work here, even though I choose not to. I'm happier at home to be doing it, but nonetheless. So this is why I see uh, where Vic Fideli was just explaining, as we heard Donnie's newscast, that uh, a thousand complaints coming into the ombudsman here in Ontario over the cannabis store can't fulfill requests and uh, it's late in coming, blah, 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 blah. You know, I'm thinking uh, if you can't get weed in less than a day. You're an amateur. <laughs> you you have got no contacts or connections. Uh, somewhere along the line, you're a newbie. But this is why I was saying to myself, people complaining about this, relax. Even with the Rogers thing, I was upset. But you can't, like, lose your proverbial crap and let it ruin your day. You've got to figure, just, you know, fill your time with other things. Like maybe having a conversation with somebody in person. It was really novel to do that and sit in silence and just think. You know, it really was a refreshing change. I thought, what what have we done before TV and the Internet? People must have been climbing the walls. But here we go. Uh, That all being said, we'll drill down on some of those stories a little later in the hour, having referenced Vic Fideli. Uh, You know, Vic Fideli said he was going to reform the Ontario PC party, and uh, this was when it was in the paroxysms of upheaval, and there were warring camps within the bosom, we recall, early in the new year. And... uh, It seems now that they have reformed somewhat. He's rooted out the rot, and one of the beneficiaries of that is Jim Carajalios, who's a candidate for the Ontario PC Party presidency. And to explain how all of this has played out and the fact that he was involved in a lawsuit uh, that could have damaged his reputation, you know, and legacy and so on and so forth, uh, let's get Jim in here to kind of set the record straight. Jim, how are you this afternoon? Good, John. Thanks for uh, having me on. I'm having a great time campaigning to keep our PC party moving forward with this PC party presidential race. Well, all right. Uh, Who are you in against uh, of any consequence? So there's two candidates in the race, Brian Patterson, who was the top employee of the party uh, for a period that saw us lose four elections in a row. And there's me and the voting is going to be done at the PC convention from November 16th to 18th, voted on by the delegates that represent the membership of the party. It's a two year position. Uh, And the president of the party leads the executive, which is like the board of directors, which administrates nominations, policy process, convention, the membership system. So it's the backroom operations of this party. And I'm running because we need to keep our PC party moving forward. We can't go backwards. And after Premier Ford's 
uh, thunderous majority victory, and we see the party finally axing the carbon tax, like I called for for two years ago, mm-hmm. and for two years, I think it's time we keep on moving forward. So I'm running to be the next PC party president. By the way, why did the prior uh, PC executive try to silence you? I remember the Axe the Carbon Tax, which has come to fruition now, uh, and uh, your Take Back Our PC Party. They actually sued you for that, didn't they? Well, I told everyone two years ago the PC Party could win a majority government by axing the carbon tax. I told everyone that we need to tax the carbon tax. Some people in our party didn't want to listen, didn't think it was possible, and I was right. That campaign... Uh, had some in the party that weren't happy with it. And the prior PC executive tried to shut me down and silence me by uh, throwing a lawsuit and, frankly, trying to destroy my family. But a judge threw out the entire case as an attempt to stifle my ability to participate in the political process uh, and uh, my freedom of expression in politics. Uh, So I won the case. And if you remember, John, it was uh, settled out of court during the leadership. And since then, we saw a leadership contest, and a general election where our party ran on axing the carbon tax and integrity and accountability, which were the themes of my Take Back Our PC Party campaign. Yeah, just to uh, back up a little bit, apparently this was the first legal case in this country involving a political party trying to sue a private citizen? Well, the prior PC Party executive did three things to me in a week that I have yet to hear ever happen in this uh, province and I think this country. A lawsuit against a private citizen from a political party, revoking my membership and asking me, uh, removing me or asking me to leave the uh, policy conference. Remember last year in November, we had that policy convention to unveil uh, the Justin Trudeau carbon tax that our PC party was about to enter an election on. Ironically, that same venue, the Toronto Congress Centre that we had a convention last November is where we're having this next convention in just two weeks. All right, uh, Jim, I'm kind of curious, because uh, when you talk about the prior PC uh, executive, that would have been the folks surrounding Patrick Brown, no? Uh, well, the PC party executive's over 20 people. Uh, so, uh, you know, surrounding Patrick Brown is an interesting term, but there were people on that executive that were there through appointment that didn't win in an election. Some of those individuals are trying to run again to be on the executive one more time, and... I'm saying that it's time to keep on moving forward for our PC party, and there's no time to go backwards. Well, all right, but if you've still got some of those remnants from the prior executive there, uh, then the rot hasn't entirely been rooted out. Well, we need strong leadership in the position of a president that's going to stand up for cleaning up the membership system, for cleaning up the nomination process, because we can't go into another election, John, in year three or four of this mandate and risk having our premier or caucus or cabinet having to answer questions every two days in front of a camera for things that they don't control, memberships that went sideways, nominations that went sideways, those things and defending the democratic tenets of our party, defending the party constitution, fall on the party president. And that's the job I'm going to start doing November 19th. I'm going to start defending the democratic tenets of our party, upholding the party constitution, and that's going to give us the best chance to win in the next election, to restore integrity and accountability back in the party, and not be distracted by things that are happening in the back. All right, so if we really get granular on the grassroots democracy that you're espousing, when it comes to individual ridings, uh, how will those uh, candidates be chosen? Will it be with a riding association, or will there be parachute jobs? You know, certain people will be selected to uh, be dropped into certain ridings. Well, 
I've, I've been saying for two years, the party constitution, whether people like it or not, the PC party constitution calls for open, public, democratic nominations. The liberal party constitution, the party that likes subverting democracy, has a clause in their constitution that gives the leader five appointments. And the liberal leader runs around during nomination time and threatens ridings that they will appoint someone in one of those ridings. Our party constitution says open public democratic nominations. And then it falls on the president to work with the executive to draft rules that will respect that open public democratic call for nominations. So if I'm elected PC party president, I'm going to sit down with the executive. We're going to draft new rules on a policy process, on nominations, on cleaning up our membership system that respects the PC party constitution and is in line with what the membership has given the executive the authority to do in that constitution. All right. Uh, I just wanted to be clear on that fact because too often it becomes contentious within uh party politics that sometimes the grassroots feels betrayed you know where riding associations work hard uh they do uh, come forward with a candidate and then suddenly that candidate is kind of told to step aside or you know uh coerced to step aside you're not going to allow for that well let me give you a great example do you remember last year in the riding of cambridge john mm-hmm. we almost had an albertan uh parachuted into the riding who wasn't even eligible to to run in the general election Someone on that party, on our PC party executive, thought it was a good idea to open a nomination with an Alberta resident to run. When Premier Ford won the leadership and reopened the nomination in Cambridge, my wife, Belinda Carajalios, entered the race. And in three weeks, she beat two candidates who were running for over a year. So it's more than just upsetting a few disgruntled grassroots members. It's When you respect the process and have open public democratic nominations, the members will pick the best candidate. She went on to win the general election and become the MPP. She got 17,000 votes, more votes than any other PC candidate in the region of Kitchener, Waterloo, Cambridge, and Brant. And that, that goes to show you that when we have open public democratic nominations, the best candidate typically emerges. All right, and well, you're hoping to uh, have this repeat itself uh, in obviously across the board, and you're going to be standing for the presidency of the uh, PC party here in the province and at this uh, convention at the Congress Center, November 16 to 18. That's where all of this is playing out, I guess. It'll be resolved. Absolutely. It's no time for our party to go backwards. We've got to keep on moving forward and restore integrity, accountability, and have stability in our party. I appreciate your weighing in and uh, clarifying a few points here for us this afternoon, Jim. Thanks for your time. Good luck. Thanks, John. Okay, Jim Carajalios, candidate for Ontario PC Party president. He's in against, uh, as he said, Brian Patterson of the Ontario uh, Safety League. By the way, you know, Patterson was talking about uh, reckless driving and uh, how we've seen some instances of this in the last little while. Uh, it just goes on unabated. And even though we've had you know, people who have been in high-profile situations been sent to prison for uh, killing people in road safety uh, accidents, there was just one Last night, yesterday, yesterday, as a matter of fact, uh, I wanted to get Patterson, uh, his response, he says that reckless driving is not going to be solved by the threat of fines at all. If you catch drivers, particularly commercial drivers, acting inappropriately, are the consequences of a financial penalty, is that where we want to go, or do we want to require drivers to take retraining? If it's a private motor vehicle driver um, uh, operating inappropriately, uh, why are we just fining them? Why, are we, why aren't we sending them to retraining so that they understand that what they did was wrong? Well, that was a 407 yesterday. Two people lost their lives.
Another two, and this is a celebrated story. It's the Barry and Honey Sherman story we update periodically. In a moment, Kevin Donovan's going to join us from the star. He's our chief investigative reporter. Uh, a number of warrants have been sworn out by the police, which tend to suggest, according to his writings anyway, that the uh, police here in Toronto are ramping up this investigation. There's added currency to it. Uh, we'll get the details in a moment from Kevin Donovan at the star here on the Oakley Show. Global News Radio, 640 Toronto.